Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person, unawares and unwittingly, may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. You may be seated. Once again, we want to say welcome to everybody. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, if you didn't get one of those attendance cards, uh, pass it to the inside aisle. It'll be picked up. Appreciate that so very much. I do want to give you an invitation to uh, join us tonight. We're going to look at that mark of the beast, that perplexing 666. That is chapter 13 of Revelation in our series on the book of Revelation. But today, we're in Joshua. Joshua chapter 20. New York City has its Statue of Liberty. St. Louis has the Gateway Arch. San Francisco has their cable cars. And Longview, Washington, has the Nutty Narrows Bridge, a bridge for squirrels. Here's how it happened. Back in the 60s, Amos Peters, uh, he, uh, he observed a problem. Uh, people that uh, worked in the plaza office building, they liked to feed the squirrels that lived in the trees across the street from their office building. The trouble was the street was extremely busy. I mean, it was so busy, it was even dangerous for, uh, for humans to cross. And for squirrels, well, the squirrels uh, often got flattered in a pancake. So he builds the Nutty Narrows Bridge as a way for the squirrels to go from one side of the street to the other side of the street. On the busy roads of life, and life can certainly be busy. Sometimes you long for a safer way. People, people are looking for a place of refuge in a day and age when they are more and more afraid. Roger Hart, back when I was a kid, did a study about children and where children felt safe to play. He went to a very, very small town in Vermont. And in this town, he started to observe things. You know, the kids, uh, well, they played out in the street, you know. And kids would stay out till way past dark. And there was no back fences. Uh, everybody's yard was open. And every kid in the community would go from yard to yard playing. About 40 years after that, he went back to the same town. Now, this town is very isolated up in the state of Vermont, but he saw something different. He didn't see any kids out in the street playing. He certainly didn't see any kids out after dark playing. And in fact, he saw most of the houses had fenced-in backyards. He said this, There is no free-range outdoors. Even when the kids are older, parents still say, I need to know where you are at all times. This is despite the fact that this town is no more dangerous than it was before. There's literally no more crime today than there was 40 years ago in this very, very small town. 
Furthermore, he said this. So why? Why has this invisible leash between parent and child tightened so much? Hart said it was absolutely clear from his interviews. The reason was fear. He concluded, fear of the world outside our door narrows the circle of our lives. What do you do with that fear? How do you find refuge in a time when you're afraid? Are you afraid of the pandemic? Are you afraid of economic factors that are starting to look kind of bleak? What, what are you afraid of? How do you find that place of safety? How do you find protection when you feel like running for your life sometimes? Go back to Joshua, the passage that Matt read. What's happening there in Joshua? What's happening? Go back to Joshua verse 1. It's God speaking to Joshua. Build me some cities of refuge. God is telling Joshua, it's time to build these cities of refuge. And he talks about the avenger of blood. The avenger of blood in Jewish culture came to be known as the family protector. Now the family protector served many different functions. He served the function of economic protector. You see, sometimes a, a, a Jewish family might get in debt so much that they were about to be sold into slavery. And the family protector would step in there and rescue that family member from being sold into slavery. And of course, if someone in the family was killed, was murdered, then the family protector, the avenger of blood, would then seek to uh, pay back that death with a death of the one who had killed. But what about someone who dies accidentally? The Mosaical Law provided a place of refuge for the one who kills without intent. That is, accidentally. Verse number 4. And when he flees to one of these cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him in. They shall take him in into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. Then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hands because he struck his neighbor unintentionally accidentally, but did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And until the death of the one who is high priest in those days, then the slayer may return and come to his own city and to his own house, to the city from which he fled. God provided protection. If you kill someone accidentally... You didn't mean to. It was strictly an accident. You were protected. Here's what I think is amazing. The New Testament applies this story, this concept, to Jesus, the Christ. 
You see, first, He is our true family protector. He's the one who, who bought us out of slavery to sin with His own precious blood. 1 Peter chapter 1. Second, He is our high priest whose death sets us free, just like the death of the high priest there in Joshua. He is our high priest whose death sets us free as well. Hebrews chapter 4, 5, and 9. And third, Jesus is our true city of refuge. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about those who have fled for refuge to our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are what? In Christ Jesus. When you fear for your life, when the problems of life just overwhelm you, and let's be honest, that can happen, can it not? When you fear for your life, you cannot run to an actual city of refuge today. No, instead you run to something, or in this case, someone far better. You run to Jesus Christ. You see, the Old Testament cities of refuge only protected the manslayer from punishment for accidental sin, accidental death. Jesus is so much better. Jesus protects those who run to Him from punishment for even intentional sins as well. So if you're afraid, run to Jesus for refuge. In a day and time when, well, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, things, you know, our world is topsy-turvy. We never know what's happening, it seems like. Run to Jesus. Put your confidence in Him. Back in 2010, 33 miners in Chile were buried 2,000 feet underground for three months. Can you imagine that? Being underground for three months? They huddled in a room that came to be called the refuge. Things looked very bleak for them for a long time. Until one of those 33 miners, a man who believed in Jesus, said, guys, we've got to, we've got to face up to our faults. The only ones that going to get us out of this is going to be Jesus. You know, we can't depend on the company. We can't depend on the government. We've got to depend on Jesus. He urged his fellow miners to focus on Jesus, to, to face up to their faults. They said, each of those men... We're not the best men. And they started to recount all of their sins. I find it interesting that progress on getting those miners out happened after they started focusing on Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Please, if you're afraid today, run to Jesus for refuge. Trust Him to protect you from punishment for all your sins. Depend on Him to keep you safe from the avenger blood, that is, from the one who would condemn you, the devil. Then, what do you do? 
You make Jesus accessible to others who need Him. You can be that conduit that brings others to the Lord. Folks need to see Jesus living in us 24-7. Make Jesus easy to get to. Point the way to Jesus and, and clear out anything that might prevent people from getting to Him. Like maybe a bad example, the wrong attitude. That's what the people of Israel did for their cities of refuge. In verse 7 and 8, we have those cities named that would be cities of refuge. We'd have six cities. Three on the east side of the Jordan River and three on the west side of the Jordan River. They were equally distributed throughout the land of Israel. Why? Because it was possible to get to one easily if you needed to get to one. Jewish historians tell us that the Israelites kept the roads to these cities in excellent condition because they wanted to make it easy for someone who needed to go to get there. That's what Jesus wants us to do today. That's what God calls His people to do when it comes to Jesus. Point the way and make every effort to help people find Him. You know, in so many cases, the people that you know, the people that you interact with at work, at school, at, in your community, the only opportunity for them to know anything about Jesus is through your actions. It's how you live your life. Do you, the Lord to them. Did you know that in the U.S., this is a, a, a very rough estimate, okay? Very rough estimate. But an estimated 87% of the non-New Testament Christian population in our country does not personally know a New Testament Christian. I didn't say know well. I said know a New Testament Christian. As a follower of Christ, I would ask you, how many unbelievers call you a friend? If there's not that many, if you start counting and the number is low, then I'm going to urge you to do something crazy. Stop just hanging around with just believers and make every effort to hang out with some unbelievers because you want to influence them for the good. Start by asking God to bring some into your life so you can influence them, you can impact them. On a Wednesday night this month, I, I asked you to give me five. Give me five. I asked you to think about five people that are not faithful Christians. Maybe they've never put on Christ, or maybe they've drifted away. And I ask you to put those names on a piece of paper and put it somewhere where you can see it often. Maybe on your refrigerator, maybe on your bathroom mirror. And I want you to think about those people, pray about those people, and love those people. How do folks know that we're Christians? By love, 
by how we love each other. I asked you to give me five. How are you doing on your five? Are you influencing people? The best advice I've ever heard on personal evangelism is this. Do something that you personally enjoy and do it with unbelievers. Do you like working on cars? Do it with an unbeliever. Do you like quilting? Do Join a quilting club with unbelievers. Do you like reading? Join a book club with unbelievers. Do you like riding ATVs or maybe fishing? Do it with unbelievers. Do you like going to movies? Invite an unbeliever to go with you. Do you like playing video games? Do it with unbelievers. The point is this. Make every effort to connect with unbelievers in their world. But Michael, I need my church family. Yes, we do. And that's what we get here on Sundays and Wednesdays and other times that we gather here in this building. We need Christian fellowship. That is so true. And we don't want the bad to rub off on us. That's true. We get Christian fellowship here, but sometime in our life we need to go out there. We need to impact the world. Did the early Christians just huddle up in one place? You know, they were trying to do that in Jerusalem. What did God do? He, he allowed that persecution to rise up and it scattered them, did it not? Forcing them to take the gospel with them wherever they went. Yes, I need my Christian brothers and sisters, but there's also times in my life when I need to try to go out and impact others for the Lord. In my lifetime, I've always had electricity. I can't imagine living, living without electricity. But my mother told me the story about back when the REA, the Rural Electric Authority, came into their community. And back then, you could hook on for free. You had to pay for electricity, but you actually could hook on for free. And they encouraged everybody to hook on. Can you believe there were some people who said no? <laughs> there was some folks who said no. In fact, I had, a, I had a family member that said no for a long time. I remember going there, visiting there. He didn't have electricity. I didn't like going to his house a whole lot. You know, didn't like that at all. And they didn't have any inside plumbing, of course, so didn't like that at all either. Here's my point. Salvation is freely available. Revelation 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride says, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts, come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It's up to us to make that available to people who are out there in the world. Let me urge you to not exclude anyone from that opportunity. In other words, not only make Jesus accessible to others, but also make Jesus available to all. Jesus is available even to those who might not look exactly like us or perhaps maybe talk like us or act like us. Verse number 9. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and, don't forget this word and here, 
and for the stranger who dwelt among them. You see, the city of refuge was just not just for the Jewish person. It was for anybody. Even those people who were not Jewish by birth. Here's my point. For my personal five, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I have targeted one person of my five who's very different from me. Very different culture, very different likes, uh, very different background, experiences. I mean, the only thing we have in common is he's human and I'm human. That's it. But I have targeted him. And I'm working on him. Because I want to make Jesus available to him. You would think that a Harvard graduate would have no problem getting a job. And in probably 99 out of 100 cases, that's true. But one guy had problems. He, he's actually your brother. He's a member of the church. And he ended up having to manage a McDonald's because he couldn't find a job with his degree. Did he look at that like, I've spent all this money going to Harvard and now I'm here managing a McDonald's? No. He said, this is my opportunity to impact people. Through his example and through his influence, he actually impacted seven of his employees to become a Christian. He, he did that in the over two years that he managed that McDonald's where he finally found a job in his degree. But I don't have to go to someone afar off like that to give you an example. I can go to a, a man that would normally be sitting right back there where Tim is. And he would be sitting there holding the hand of his beloved. I'm talking about Norman Bondi. You haven't seen Norman here because he's taking care of his wife and they can't get out now. But in the facility where they are living now, he is still working for the Lord. Right now, as I'm talking, he's watching, I would say. And he has asked his fellow residents to join with him. And they've gathered around and they're watching together. You know, it would be easy for Norman to say, well, you know, I'm here and I'm just not going to bother. And, you know, I'm not, going to get, I'm not going to be concerned about these other people. But he's concerned about those other residents. He wants them to come to know Jesus the way he knows Jesus. So he's doing what he can to impact others. When you're afraid, run to Jesus for refuge. But don't keep him to yourself. Make Jesus accessible and available to every person you know. The song says, Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the uh, silent cries only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, 
He's the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we realize that people need the Lord? We're called to take His light to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Through His love, our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. They must hear the words of life only we can share. People need the Lord. You need the Lord. You know how I end every lesson. I've done this for 40-something years. God's simple plan of salvation. It's simple. These particular verses are all from Jesus Himself. Will you believe, repent, confess, will you be baptized? Most of us here have done that. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. If you have any need to respond, will you please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. There is a